0: A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. Here are your hosts. Dan Hansen and Betsy Thompson. Well, happy Saturday, everybody. Happy 4th of July. Hopefully, you have great big plans for today, and we thank you for starting the day with the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned, but before I tell you what's coming up, I do want to get to a story, something that happened to me over the course of this week, and I guess I should mention the fact that, of course, obviously, Betsy isn't here today. She's recovering from her surgery, and hopefully... Hopefully she's back soon because this is very strange to be doing this with nobody else to respond to. But anyway, she would appreciate this story. I hope she hears it. So Betsy, if you're listening here, I, I, I wish you were here to respond to this. But the kids and I have been taking bike rides every morning at 5.45 a.m. That's what the kids want to do. They want to get up at 5.45, make coffee. And then put it all in a backpack and a thermos, and then pedal somewhere and find a picnic table, and then sit there and, and have coffee. But the other day I'm pedaling around i I'm without my glasses, so when I don't have my glasses, you know everything is a blur I, I don't see a whole lot, and as we're going, I can see this creature. On the path ahead of us, you know, like a cat. And so I told the kids, there's a cat up ahead. Well, they all screeched to a halt. I heard them, you know, the, the gravel under their tires, and I heard them yelling something, but I kept pedaling towards the little creature. And I noticed the creature was making moves towards me. I figured it was a very friendly cat. And then all of it came together their screams and the creature came into. Uh, uh, clarity, you know, as I got close enough to see, and I realized it was a skunk in the middle of Zealand. I never expected to see a skunk, but let me tell you the absolute sheer abject terror that took place at that moment. All I could think about was having to take a bath in tomato soup and realizing that I don't have enough tomato soup to really get much of anything washed. I've got three cans. How far is that going to go if I've been sprayed head to toe by a skunk? Anyway, I averted the skunk. I survived the experience. But I kind of wished when it was all over that maybe somebody had been sprayed because I think it would have been funnier But i'm glad it wasn't me. I guess that's all I can say Anyway, that was my big news for the week Like I said, it's more fun if betsy's here to make fun of me during it But we'll just have to imagine that in spirit now, coming up on the show this week, we're going to talk about Thomas Jefferson, interior designer, and then we're going to talk about Benjamin Franklin, some history of the man, and then some home improvement quotes from him. But right now, let's transition into an old segment about Yankee Doodle, and it will reference the music that started the show. Yankee Doodle, right? Yes, yes. It's the quintessential Yeah, kids learn it when you're in elementary song. school. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I remember... Yes. And maybe, maybe I was just dumber than most of the rest of the children, um, which is entirely possible. Okay. Let's just leave it there. It's possible. <laughs> but anyway, every time we had to sing this little song mm-hmm. in my head, I play through the line. I can't remember the line.
1: Stuck a feather in Went his to cap? Went to town
0: riding on a pony, yeah. stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. macaroni. It made no sense to me. Makes yeah. no sense at all. All yeah. I could picture is he's running around with macaroni and cheese. On right. His hat. I think
1: I think what most kids think that
0: is the point. Right. Well the thing is, mm-hmm. we did a little research. And again, maybe we're dumber than most. <laughs> maybe most of you already know this. But there's a whole history behind the song. And and yeah. there's so many interesting things. Like first off, mm-hmm. the song, while it is considered quintessentially patriotic, right. was actually created for the opposite purposes. <laughs> By the British, (laughs) right? I mean, or they they took the song and put their own lyrics to it Mm -hmm. to make fun of right the colonists mm-hmm. who were at war Right. You know, because that's what you do i mean you you kill people but right. you also make fun of them as much as you can or you make fun really of bad. them first and then makes it easier right. i think that was the plan right but anyway so what does this mean yankee mm-hmm. doodle Kay. well first off yankee of course we know where that comes yes. from doodle was just meant to be some kind of country bumpkin mm-hmm. you know that's where that that comes from yeah so he goes to town, uh-huh. and he's riding on what Betsy a pony, a pony, not a real horse.
1: No, remember a how little many
0: th- pony. how many times do I talk about riding anything, and it's always yes, a pony. Right. That's what I always yes, think of. Yes, it is. So yes, this
1: generally it, a miniature pony.
0: To- <laughs> <laughs> well, they're the only ones that I can get on right. without needing a, 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 a standing a box to get up right, on them. Right. Anyway, so he's riding the to town on his Shetland pony, uh-huh. and he sticks a feather in his cap and calls it macaroni. All yes. right, so that's where it kind of breaks uh-huh. down. But what's interesting yeah. is that. In Britain, in Europe, mm-hmm. there's this point where uh, this coming of age thing during mm-hmm. during this time period yeah. where young men or the young people would travel the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they a grand the, tour. Right, a grand tour is yep. what it was called. They will come back mm-hmm. and now they're appropriating lots of different fashion elements that they've seen right. throughout their travels. Yeah. And it's basically their way of demonstrating how worldly, how sophisticated mm-hmm. they are. Right. And the thing is, mm-hmm. what they did was they really, really dandied themselves up. Yes. Right? So great big. Wigs and big fluffy clothes. Uh-huh. I mean, picture the French Revolution stuff: the elite, the monarchy, with right. all the makeup and uh-huh. the powder and the all of that. That's what they're starting to do. There's right. this movement mm-hmm. in Britain right. that the, this is happening, mm-hmm. and it was very like shocking, you know, for, right. the, for the rest right. of the Brits. Yes, they see this group, these young people, <laughs> what with are they thinking? Fancy get up. Well, anyway, what they eventually came to be called mm-hmm. was the macaroni right B- I think part of it was because that was one of their favorite foods that they they came <laughs> up with right I think I read that yes, anyway, whatever the reason for the name mm-hmm. that's what they're called, yeah, so back to the song uh-huh. Yankee Doodle sticks a feather in his hat, uh-huh he can't get all fancy right. And he thinks that he's macaroni now. He uh-huh. thinks he is the elite. He he's thinks these... he's
1: been on the grand tour and he's sophisticated. Right.
0: It is a complete slam of who we are. Uh-huh. So that's, that's where the song comes from. Right. But what's really fun is this funny little twist, mm-hmm. this little irony that history has a way of bringing about. Right. Is when Cornwallis surrenders to Washington at Yorktown in 1781. Mm-hmm. He's greeted by the colonists <laughs> singing this song because we adopted uh-huh. it at that point, right? And we completely appropriated it and threw it back in his face when they surrendered. Well, How apparently awesome is that?
1: we appropriate a lot of songs because if you think about, if you have ever heard the song that they play in Britain, "God Save the Queen" or "God Save the King," depending on what they have, mm-hmm. it's a song from like 1731, 1741 something like that. Well. If you think of patriotic songs and start singing to yourself, My Country Tis of Thee, you will find that they have exactly the same tune. Did we steal that on purpose? Um. Well, the gentleman charged with writing the lyrics mm-hmm. to that song in 1831, almost 100 years after the tune was put out there, he did not know that that was... The song that they play for
0: British royalty. Oh, he didn't know. That's even better. He (laughs) did not know. So he just happens to, okay. Yeah, they give
1: him this piece of music and they say, write lyrics for this. And this is what he comes up with.
0: Did they tell him to write a patriotic song?
1: Yes, I believe so. Yep. And so then they somebody, had some school children singing. Somebody it was and, aware. Yes. Somebody and it was, was like for a laugh. 4th of July celebration,
0: I believe, the first time they brought it out. So well, That is really fun.
1: Yeah. So we like to take British songs and kind of, you know, make them our own. Yeah. So
0: we're <laughs> going to take a couple Beatles songs and make those yep. the new Repco <laughs> Home Improvement Show theme songs. Might as well. Yeah. I'm a loser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the first, that was my son's walk-up uh, song in baseball on the high school team. His first year, okay. that was the song he chose. I thought that wow. was brilliantly funny. Mm. Music, uh
1: huh,
0: brings us all together. Brings us all <laughs> around. Now, coming up after the break, we're digging into Benjamin Franklin. A little history on the man. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore, on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Welcome back to the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show holiday extravaganza, the 4th of July blowout. I don't know if blowout's the right word. That doesn't really sound like a positive. Blowout. No, I can't think of being a parent, uh, one thing comes to mind when I think about blowouts and yeah, it involved diapers and they were never positive. So let's just erase that word from our memories in regards to this episode. <laughs> let's not have this episode be a blowout akin to what parents are accustomed to dealing with. Let's just make this an extravaganza and call it that. So 4th of July, extravaganza with the Rep Home Improvement Show. We started talking about Yankee Doodle and the story behind the song. So not a whole lot of home improvement stuff in that, but maybe some historically interesting things. Now we want to dig into some Benjamin Franklin historic quotes that can be applied to home improvement stuff. And I'm going to get to that in the next segment, because right now I want to kind of build on Benjamin Franklin and just basically refresh our minds about who this guy was. Because really, of all of the founding fathers, and for me, the revolution, you know, all of the history around the Revolutionary War has always been some of my favorite history. You know, the characters are so vivid, so bigger than life. George Washington, John Adams, Samuel Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, all of those people were just so monumentally important and in the brains that they had the 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 foresight to see, you know, to have this vision of what the, what a country could be and then the ability to work for that, to sacrifice for that, to fight for that and then to craft that vision and basically lay the groundwork for what we have today. That's just really stunning. The whole thing is stunning to explore and study. And Benjamin Franklin, amongst all of those giants, has always been one that, for me, is bigger than all of them. You know, in my mind, he always stood out above all of them just because of everything the guy did. So Benjamin Franklin, he's described by a noted historian, Perry Miller, as the most massively symbolic figure in American history. Now, we've all heard of him. Like I said, we know something about him usually. Almost all of us do. But here's a quick refresher on on the whole scope of his life. He was born in Boston in 1706. We always associate Philadelphia with Benjamin Franklin, but he was actually born in Boston. He was the 15th, the 15th of 17 children. 15th of 17 children. His father made candles and soap. And of all of the crafts or the trades at the time, that was one of the lowliest of them all. Benjamin Franklin actually apprenticed under his father for a while. Not very long, but a little bit. Now, one other note before we move on to some of his accomplishments. He was born... In in an age where the, the firstborn son was a big deal. You know, that was the son who had the way paved ahead for him a little bit. And Benjamin Franklin noted in his autobiography that he was the youngest son of the youngest son, five generations running. So not just the youngest son, but five generations back, the youngest son of the youngest son. So if anybody had the deck stacked against him a little bit. Maybe we could say Franklin did. Now, he started with little formal education. He started school when he was eight, and he ended it when he was 10. So that was the limit of his formal education, two years. He was an avid reader, and he taught himself to be a writer. When he was 12, he quit with his father, you know, working in the candle and soap making business, and he transitioned to working with his brother as a printer at age 16, Franklin starts contributing essays to his brother's newspaper, but he's using a pseudonym, you know, a pen name. He's writing as silence do good which if you've watched the National Treasure movies, at least the first one, with Nicolas Cage, you should be aware of Silence Do Good because those letters play into unraveling whatever mystery they were trying to unravel. Anyway, Franklin really did write these letters, and his pen name was Silence Do Good, and what makes it really funny is that Silence Do Good was actually a middle-aged woman that Franklin created. So you've got the 16-year-old kid writing with the voice, let's say, of a six, or of, a, of a middle-aged woman. Hilarious stuff, really, when you think about it. It's starting to show his humor and his wit already at that point. Now, it's not long after that that he opens up his own printing shop in Philadelphia, and then he eventually goes on to publish what became one of his more famous publications, Poor Richard's Almanac. Now, Franklin was constantly working to improve himself and his adopted city of Philadelphia, where he had settled. He launched a lending library. He worked to establish a hospital and a college. He worked to create pensions. He built institutions for the mentally disabled. He did all of those things, working to better himself and his community. He was also, as most of us are aware, a scientist and inventor. You know, we know about the experiments with the kite to prove that lightning is electricity. You know, there were maybe safer ways that that had been done in the past, but he really... Really jumped in with both feet when he threw a kite up into there. He invented lightning rods to prevent fires and all of that. He charted the Gulf Stream. He invented the Franklin Stove. He invented bifocals. And this was kind of interesting. He invented a musical instrument called the Glass harmonica. And basically what it was is he had noticed how people would use glasses, glassware at parties or at events, at dinners to make sounds. You know, you put your wet your finger and run it around the the rim of the glass and it makes a sound. Well, Franklin created this device that's basically a whole bunch of different sized glassware, and that's what you would do. It would crank, and then you'd use your finger on different pieces, and it would create different sounds. It sounds really fun and interesting, When you first listen to it and after about five minutes of listening to it, you've got a pounding headache. So I don't know that it had a long life ahead of it. And in fact, it turns out it really didn't. But one interesting thing is that Beethoven and Mozart actually wrote music for This invention, this instrument that Franklin invented. So there you go. There's something interesting. Finally, besides being a a philanthropist and, and somebody bettering himself in society and being an inventor, Franklin, of course, was a founding father. We, know, we all know that. In fact, that's probably what most of us think of when we think of Benjamin Franklin. He spent a lot of his later years in London as a representative of the Pennsylvania Assembly. He came back to Philadelphia when the revolution started, and he was part of the five-member committee that helped draft the Declaration of Independence. Later, he was sent to France to enlist their help in the war against England, and he also helped negotiate the Treaty of Paris that ended the Revolutionary War. So the man was there through all of it. Finally, even at the end, he becomes a delicate to the Constitutional Convention and is actually there when the Constitution is drafted and signed. Now, some last unusual facts before we wrap this one up and then go to another segment where we'll talk about some of his quotes and how they apply to home improvement. So one unusual fact that that completely caught me off guard and I thought was kind of hilarious when I thought about it. Benjamin Franklin was inducted into the International Swimming Hall of Fame in 1968. Did you know that? I bet you didn't, because I picture Benjamin Franklin as, oh, how's the best way to say it? Well, I guess I don't picture him as the athletic type, I guess I could say that, nor the tan type. So I picture him swimming and just a lot of pastiness and just a lot of it. If you understand what I'm saying. So uh, to picture him floundering through the waves is basically how I would picture it floundering through the waves. But apparently the man was an astute swimmer. He was known as a tremendous swimmer. He swam the Thames River performing. And this is a quote uh, in from his from the page of the International Swimming Hall of Fame where they describe his induction into that, they quoted that he swam the Thames River, quote, performing on the way many feats of activity, both upon and under the water, that surprised, and here's the key word, and pleased those to whom they were novelties. So, while I might have found great pleasure in laughing and enjoying Benjamin Franklin as I picture him floundering through the water, the actual reality was he was like a dolphin, zipping through the waves with skill tantamount to Aquaman. So he's in the Hall of Fame for swimming. Who'd have thought? He also was the only person to have signed all four key documents establishing the U.S., the Declaration of Independence, the Treaty of the Alliance with France, the Treaty of Paris establishing peace with Great Britain, and the U.S. Constitution, the only one to have signed all four of those. Another thing that's interesting is he embraced the abolition of slavery way ahead of almost everybody else. He was president of the first abolition organization, the Philadelphia Abolition Society, and he was the first person to petition Congress to abolish slavery in 1790. When he died, the French National Assembly declared a day of mourning, and he's been called the only president of the United States who was never president of the United States. He's a remarkable historical figure, a remarkable human being, really. He's certainly flawed. You know, there were plenty of stories of how flawed Benjamin Franklin was, but he's utterly inspiring and remarkable. And because of that, he's really worth listening to, which brings us to some of his witty sayings and how they apply to home improvement, which we'll get to after a break. Stick around. You want to take your DIY skills up a rung? The Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. And we're back, and I have no idea if you can hear this or not. In fact, I suspect that you can't because it normally seems that the sound doesn't carry all the way through the microphones and into your homes. Which let me assure you is a blessing. For you all. For me, I am in a studio that is right next to a wood shop, and normally we're able to work things out so that there's not the sound of a wood shop in full operation going while we're trying to record a show. Well, today is not one of those days where we were able to work that out. We've got a guy working furiously to create you know, uh, sales counters and some storage cabinets and stuff for our new Byron Center location. And he's got to get those things done because we're hoping to open that store in early August. So if you've driven by a, a location in Byron Center and you've seen a Repco Light sign, yes, you can rest assured there will be a store there. It will be opening early August and it will have some amazing counters that are being created right now as we speak. So a lot of noise is being generated, a lot of sawing, and hopefully no yelling or screaming from any injuries that occur. If that happens, I will promise to finish this segment before I run to the aid of the craftsman. No, that's not true. I would run to the aid immediately and probably pass out if something bad has happened. So let's hope everything stays Exactly as it is. Let's get to the Benjamin Franklin quotes about home improvement. And before I get to the first one, I just want to mention that there's an article that I found that gave me this idea. And while all the quotes were different from the ones I'm going to talk about, it was still the idea that got me going. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. The first quote, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn." Learning takes involvement, right? It takes hands-on. We can watch a million things or listen to a million things, and we don't learn. We don't technically learn until we jump in and do it. How many times haven't you jumped into something that you've watched or read about, and then you find all the little details, all the little things that you didn't expect or that the video didn't show you, or you know you couldn't see it from a certain angle, and as you're working with it, all of a sudden, things that you were unclear about in the video make perfect sense. It's because you're learning now. There, you're getting a concept. Here, you're actually doing it and you're learning. How does that apply to us? It's really, really basic. In order to learn anything, you've got to jump in and do it. Watching a video on YouTube about how to do whatever it is is only going to take you so far. You've got to jump in and actually get your hands dirty and try the process. And when I talk about that, I think instantly about home repair services in Grand Rapids. We are so lucky to have an organization like that in our area because if you're unfamiliar with them, they've been on the show a number of times, what they do, their whole goal, their whole mission is to create homeowners who are better homeowners, who know how to handle whatever comes up in their homes. They've got all kinds of, amongst a million other things that they do, they've got classes that they run, free classes every Saturday. Now, with COVID, I'm not sure exactly what's playing out with that. Check it, check their website out for a schedule and see how they're handling those things. But in normal circumstances, they've got hands-on classes every single Saturday. We've talked about it before. They're free. You can go and learn how to repair drywall. You can learn how to do electrical work. You can go and learn how to do plumbing. You can learn how to install ceramic tile. And you do all of these things by actually doing them. You use your hands. You use the right tools. When you go home, you can repair those things at your home because you've done them. Check out those classes if you bring a friend in to help you with something sometimes because that friend knows how to do whatever it is. Stick around. Help them. Don't just be the tool getter. You know, the gopher, Dad always called it. Be there to actually get your hands dirty. Start the process because then you'll learn and you can do the thing yourself. It's the whole give a friend a fish, teach somebody to fish thing. What about our kids? Huge here. It's absolutely huge. It's so easy to, and it's so tempting and it's so natural to want to yank the tools out of our kids' hands. You know, a lot of us as parents or grandparents want to have our kids help us on a project, right? So we put the tools in their hands and then we watch them. And then we yank the tools back out of their hands because they're never going to get the project done. It's going to take till next week's Sunday before they finally got that screw in. And yet, if we constantly do that, they're not learning. They're not being involved. So let them be a part of it. Involving is where they learn. And it's so important for kids to start picking up these skills because we've got generations now that we've created that don't have some of these skills. And it's a little bit scary. The trades have dropped off. If we get our kids involved and they see the satisfaction of repairing and fixing and doing the work, who knows what happens with the trades. And it all starts with us at home. Let them be involved. Let them help with the decorating. They can do it. Let them help with the painting. That sounds scary, but I've had my kids help me and I've been stunned. You know, I started with some simple projects that it didn't matter too much if they messed it up too badly. You know, as long as they didn't go crazy, we'd be okay. And I was blown away at how well they did with just some instruction and some help. And From that point on, they were able to tackle some other things on their own. Now, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe that's not where you're comfortable. But let them start working. Let them get involved because that's where they're going to learn. Second quote, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Again, so basic here. But preparation is part of the work. A lot of people, a lot of us, think about preparation as an optional step. It's not. It's a necessary step. Just as painting your cabinets requires you to actually apply paint as a finish step, that's not an optional step. Neither is washing and doing the scuff sanding or applying the right primer. Those aren't optional steps. You know, if you don't do them, You are setting yourself up for failure down the road. You're not saving time. You're saving time in this one instance. But down the road, you're going to deal with a problem. And when the problem happens, it's a very big thing to fix because the foundation is poor. In order to fix the foundation, you've got to get everything off to get back to that foundation. So do it right the first time. But it's not just surface prep that we're talking about. It's also gathering the right tools, preparing for a project in that regard, gathering the right items. I don't know how many projects I've started on a whim because I had a little bit of time and I just all of a sudden had this desire to get this project done. You know, I was just this driving need to accomplish it. I see a window, I jump in and do it. But I failed to gather the right tools ahead of time because I didn't give myself time to do that. What happens in the end is I end up using the tools that I've got and making them work or trying to make them work for tools that I should have collected ahead of time. Don't do that. When you do it that way, you're going to struggle, and it's not going to turn out the way you want it. The other thing to consider is getting the right information. Again, how many times don't we jump into a project without taking the time to gather the right info? Preparing. It's all about all of those things, planning ahead, doing the prep work gathering the right items if you don't do those things you're setting yourself up for failure another one energy and persistence conquer all things you know there's enough to say about this but i think i can sum it up quickly with not even a story but just a gentleman that i know he's been on the show before steve norris i worked with him at RepColite years back he's in his mid 70s okay he's nearly blind. He knows that. It's depressing to him. He he can no longer see very clearly. I've watched him work on houses that he acquires, and he's inches away from the nail holes that he's trying to fill or whatever. He's got heart problems, and yet the guy has sheetrocked basements over and over. Even in his 70s, he's doing this work. He gets through it by energy and persistence and he conquers all things there's no excuse for the rest of us who are fit and healthy and even for those of us who aren't fit and healthy all of these projects can be accomplished over time if we just stick to it and dig in and do it now all right one last one it has nothing to do with home improvement but i love the quote it's this i guess i don't so much mind being old as i mind being fat and old I hear what you're saying, Ben. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Now, we've got to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about Thomas Jefferson and decorating. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned.
1: Yeah, Thomas Jefferson was also an architect and designer. Mm-hmm. He took over 40 years to complete his home so Monticello.
0: he was slow at it.
1: No, no, no. Wait, I found this great quote for him. Putting up and pulling down is one of my favorite amusements.
0: And he said that in regards to his home. Yes. I bet his wife loved that.